Or you don't know. See, some of you, you are getting so familiar that you don't know the value of the gift that God has given us. You know, I, I left church about 5 o'clock trying to get home, sort a couple of things, and get back to church before service. And then I left, and after about 10 minutes, I was not even at the traffic light on this road after 10 minutes. So I knew that today was going to be a very, very, you know. Then after another 10 minutes, I managed to get to the next traffic light where the shell is. Then when I looked across where I was supposed to go, I realized that, no, it's not good. So I took a left turn, and I thought, okay, let me go. Maybe I'll find my way to get home. Then as I got towards the university, I realized that it was even worse. So at that point, you know, I believe that it was the Holy Spirit that said, you know, Call, 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 call the head of your home. So I called him and I said, this is my current situation. When I turn to the left, I can't move. When I turn to the right, if I stay where I am, service will be over and I'll still be where I am. Then he said, go here and then go here and go here. And my original self was about to come and say, I'm trying to get home now. You are telling me to go into that, I mean, you know, logic and mathematics will tell you that that, that that's not, it's not in the direction where I'm going. And he said, yeah, I know. I didn't say it out loud. I listened to him. I said, yeah. So he said, I should go to the train station. I should go. He said, yeah, go there, go this way. I said, if I do get home, I will call you. <laughs> if you don't get a call from me, then it means that that place too. I mean, and all this had already taken me 45 minutes since I left church. I was still, you know, in the wilderness. Then as I got to the traffic light where I had to take a decision whether I should follow the advice that was given to me by both my marital head, my spiritual head. Eesh. Then I said, no, let me take it. So that, you know, like how as children of God, we should behave with God. That if God gives you Counsel, God gives you instruction. You, are, you should know that if it feels, it's on him. <laughs> or you don't know. Yeah. If God makes you fail, then it's on him. So I knew that I will follow the instruction I was given. If it fails, uh, it's on him. So I turned. And when I turned, it didn't look good. But I said, no, if he says that way, within less than 10 minutes, I could see my house. So I called him. I said, man of God. God be the glory. Well done. I am saying this. This may seem like a trivial thing, but I'm saying it to all of us. That do you know that there's a grace on headship that can never be understood? Yeah, I heard one day I was I think I was reading one of these books, uh, document um, biographies on some of the very old um, preachers, and they were explaining the fact that you know your biological father, whatever may not seem qualified in your eyes or may not seem to have progressed as much, but they have something you still need. Do you understand? They have an authority that you can never cancel. So I pray that we don't just give mental assent to it, but we appreciate the wisdom and the counsel that Reverend gives to us in little ways, in big ways, you know, just casually, just, you know. I appreciate him. I really, really do. Uh, I do. Do you know that I do? 
Yeah, I do. That's why when he says I should come and preach, I also come and preach because he knows why he's saying, isn't it? Yeah. And um, our theme for the month of October, which is righteousness and holiness, and I just realized that we are a church where we lay good foundations and we build on good foundations. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you are in this house for at least a year, a lot of things in your life should straighten out and a lot of things in your life should get better. Amen. Character-wise and all that. And I think that this is also another month where we are going to add on. Amen. We are going to add on. So on Wednesdays, we'll add on on righteousness. On Sunday, we'll add on on holiness. And um, my aim, and I pray, is that we'll have a very fundamental understanding of what it is, what we do with it, how we walk in it, how we live by it. Because these are also two very controversial issues for whatever reason in the body of Christ. So you have people who go to one extreme. You know, Christ has died, so everything doesn't matter. You know, even some of these things don't, you know, once you are saved, what is it? Anything you do, you know, is under the blood. Then you also have another extreme that will not allow you to even breathe. They can equate anything to righteousness and equate anything to holiness. Do do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But I believe that as a Christian, you must have an understanding of what the Bible says, what the Bible directs, and how to apply it to your life. Amen. Yeah. You know, in everything, we must be temperate, and also we must have understanding. Amen. We must have understanding. We must have understanding. Otherwise, we are also easily tossed about to and fro by the one whose argument sounds very strong and very powerful. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is right. So for our uh, discussions, teachings, and all that on righteousness, we are I think that for the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at understanding righteousness. Amen. Understanding righteousness. But I also want to set a few parameters within which we will operate. Amen. Within which we will operate. Because there are certain things that as a Christian, which is part of our lives, that the world does not even understand. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That, uh, you know, when, when we say that, don't fornicate. Do you know there are a lot of people on this earth who have never heard that word? They don't know that a word like that exists. What is fornication? What is that? They have never heard it. Some of them are in their 40s, 50s. They've never heard it. Do, do you understand? Yeah, because they've never been admonished against that or they've never even read it. Yeah, all they know is that I'm either having sex or I'm not having sex. Oh. Let's come back to righteousness. So the parameters for righteousness that we will be looking at, I'm just giving a couple of things that we will try and stay within it. So the first thing is the fact that righteousness is an attribute of God and cannot be applied outside of God. The concept of righteousness comes into play only in regards to God. You can't go to your workplace and tell your boss, your manager, your staff, whatever, you people are very unrighteous. 
good. It is not applied outside of God. And righteousness is living in accordance with divine law by faith. By faith. So all discussions that we'll be discussing on righteousness will be in regards to faith. Because you come to realize that every time man tries to use their manpower to be righteous, they fail. Do you know that? Yeah. How many of us have tried and said that from now on, no more this. I won't fight again. I won't insult again. I won't do. And then. Yeah. It is also a character or quality of being right and in right standing with God through Christ. So you are going to see that there are a couple of things that will feature all through faith, Christ, because our current righteousness is because of Christ and is through Christ. Righteousness is a quality that we must pursue. So having said all that, let's read John 16. I'm going to read from verse 5 to 10, and then we'll look at a few things, and then we'll go home and think about it. My prayer for us is that this particular topic and this particular month, we must personalize anything we are talking about. So even the scriptures we are going to look at, I would encourage us to spend some time at home, you know, as part of our quiet time, Bible study, leisure time, to read them, read them, read them, read them, read them, till faith comes out of them for you. Because there's a generation of Christians now that cannot even grasp the concept of righteousness and holiness at all. Yeah. They said if you don't want people to come to church, preach on holiness. <laughs> if you don't want people to come to church, just you preach on holiness. They will just check when the series is ended. And that should tell us something, that something is very wrong. Because salvation is supposed to bring us to a place where we begin to become transformed into the image of Christ. That is the essence of it. That is the essence of it. So you come to find out that there is more evil brewing in the church than outside. Because outside is open. In the church is hidden. And do you know that even a wound that is hidden becomes more infested than one that is exposed that gets fresh air over it. So I don't know why Reverend chose that this month I should preach, but I will preach because it's under the unction and the authority of God, isn't it? And you should, you should also have a receptive heart to it. You should know that God does not want you to end 2021 with a half lifestyle, half attitude, have, yeah, and in fact, even a dual lifestyle, 
a lot of Christians operate under pretense that it weakens their faith. We don't have power to share the gospel. We don't have power to that convicts because we ourselves are burdened with the load. So we will see that we try and camouflage or summarize, you know, when somebody becomes born again, maybe the person comes to you and you're supposed to help the person, the person is like, I'm struggling with this situation, I'm struggling with this. Because of your current situation, the devil will be whispering to you also that this is not your area of expertise. <laughs> Don't even try and open your mouth. And then the church gets weaker and weaker and weaker. The church gets weaker and weaker. You see, Reverend says this thing, but if you are born on a certain generation, when you give your life to Christ, listen, you will be pruned whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, you'll be pruned. Yeah. But now we have a generation where people can be saved, anointed, listen, ministering, whether in word, whether in song, and they are engaged in all kinds of things. John 16, the Bible says in verse 5, I'm going to read verse 5 to 10 the NLT. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. So this is Jesus talking. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you about all that's going to happen to me. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, that is the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. So you see that the two work together. First, we are convicted of what is wrong. We are convicted of what is sin. We are and then we are also convicted that God is righteous and that that righteousness, we can have it. Amen. Then he says that the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And that is what I'm hoping that in this month we'll come to appreciate that we have to grow above where when we think of sin or when we want to walk in holiness, we are thinking of you know, smoking, drinking. No, no, no. He's saying that the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So you will see that when we as Christians are thinking of sin, we are thinking of transgression against God. Which may not necessarily be something that will be regarded as bad beyond the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? So somebody, people may see you and think that you are a perfect person, you are a good person, you know you are, but when you put yourself into the word of God, you will realize that where God is concerned, there's work to be done. Verse 10 says that righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Tell somebody that righteousness is available for you. Righteousness is available. Yeah. That is what Christ has promised us, that it is something that is available for us. As we go on, we'll come to realize that it is not even something you purchase. It is not something, you know, that you have to do various religious things for. 
but it is something that till your faith is rising, till your belief is rising, you cannot walk in it. Amen. So the first thing about this righteousness that you have to understand is that righteousness is whatever conforms to the revealed will of God. Righteousness is whatever conforms to the revealed will of God. And that is why verse 8 said that, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness. And he says that righteousness is available in verse 10. So whatever God regards as righteous is what is righteous. Number two, whatever has been appointed by God to be acknowledged and obeyed by man. Whatever has been appointed by God to be acknowledged and obeyed by man. Matthew 3, verse 13 to 15, the Bible says that, the New King James, it says that, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John chapter 3, verse 13, I read up to 50, it says that, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Amen. So what has been appointed or acknowledged that we should do by God? Do you understand what I'm saying? We should do by God. So there are certain things that somebody will argue. When you need to be baptized, whether will baptism take you to heaven? Will not. There are things that we do because God instructs us to do. So even Jesus was like, so long as I'm here on earth, and for me to progress on what I have to progress on, I need to be baptized. Yes, I know that I'm the son of God. I know that, but you, John the Baptist, you need to baptize me. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? So you realize that when you find yourself getting engaged in certain discussions and certain, you know, schisms, you have to just step back and realize that is this an instruction that God has given? If God has given, then it doesn't matter whether one, you know, as one of the things that you always find drama around is like tithing, offering. It's a reflection of your righteousness because it is something that God has acknowledged and has also instructed. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? Let's look at Matthew 21. The Bible says in 28, but what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. Those of us who, when they say we should even go on evangelism, won't go. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted it, and we went. Then he came to the second son and said, Likewise. And he answered, said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. 
Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that tax collected, uh, collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards relent and believe. Somebody say mercy. Somebody say mercy. Hey, do you know that this is a reflection of us? Hey, I mean, sometimes you go through so much and God delivers you from so much, then you make major declarations. From today, I will serve God. My focus is on God. From today, my whole life, Lord, I give you my life. What song did we just sing? I'll provide the sacrifice. Isn't it? Yeah, you provide. Yeah, I'm the, yeah, yeah, you know, bend me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what did he say? But he goeth not. Yeah. We are talking about righteousness. And that, those are the things that we are going to be focusing on. It is not that you are, you are insane. You are in, no, it is just that even what you tell God that you will do, you don't do. What you vow, you don't do. What you pledge, you don't do. What you declare, you don't do. And some of the things, you say it with your mouth, but your heart is far from it. And that is the thing about righteousness, that a lot of it is hidden. So it's not same. And that is why sometimes we can scan the church and say, oh, these are the righteous people, these are the unrighteous people. And we fail totally. Because if you look at these two uh, sons, you realize that one of them we all heard, he said, I won't go. Didn't we hear that I won't go? Rude boy, undisciplined, disrespectful to his parents. Then the other one said, oh, I will go. I will go. Reverend, we can do it. We can do it. It will happen. It will happen. Don't worry. We, do, I, we will do it. Do, yeah. Can you stand back and say, look at this. They don't want to serve God. But who in the end went? The one who said, I won't go. And the one who said, I will go, what happened? Hmm. Hmm. Matthew 6. We are going to, next week we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 6 because it embodies so much of what will help us. Even if we take verse 1 and we live it, take verse 2 and we live it, we'll come to realize how we relate with this group, how we relate with this. Matthew six thirty-three. the Bible says that, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So you will see that when we talk about the righteousness of God, literally is a sum total of all that God requires from us. And tell somebody that it's a very small thing. Do you know that all that God requires from us is very little? All that God requires from us is very little. In fact, most of them are quite insignificant. And that is where we have a challenge. Because I'm sure that if the requirements were very deadly, very serious. And you see, in the Old Testament, you realize that religious activities were very comprehensive and very detailed. Because can you imagine if we come to church and then you hear the ram, you know, what sound, what um, noise does a ram make? That's a sheep, isn't it? But they have, 
Well, you haven't looked after sheep. I have looked after sheep before, so I know the sound of sheep. But I don't know the sound of... But can you imagine that the, the, the sacrifice is there, that we can hear the sound that is making? Then you see the high priest in their gown. They are about to slaughter the, and pour the blood. The, won't we be fearful? Hey, won't we be... Listen, because as the blood is pouring, we don't know, you know, where it's going. And even if somebody has done something wrong, and then somehow they sprinkle the blood, and they say, whoever the blood touches. But you see, because of what Christ has brought, it doesn't appear powerful. It doesn't, and Christ has also come to take, he has come to fulfill the law. So we now, our works are not needed in the same way as it was in the Old Testament. And that has somehow brought us to the place where we have assumed that then there is nothing for us to do. But that is not true. That is not true. There are still requirements for us. They are easy. They are simple. They they seem very trivial, but they are there. So you find somebody who may be able to raise the dead, but it's not righteous. And Matthew chapter 6 gives us a very good, maybe we should have a look at one or two before we go, gives us a very good picture that every Christian, you know, once you become saved, you must begin to walk in it and just understand it. Some of us, when we became Christians, we copied those who were around us. So they taught us bad habits. Do do you know that? Yeah. A few years ago, I really was struggling with a group of people because those who had been Christians before and had helped others get saved were teaching them what they were into, and they had been Christians for a while. Do you understand? So whether it's drinking, whether it's sleeping around, they were training them that, listen, you can sing in the choir and still sleep around. You can, and then, yeah. You, you, you go to churches, you find elders, you know, they sponsor, they give 100,000, 10,000, whatever. But they're adulterers. They're adulterers. But they are financiers of the church. Do you understand? They even have special chair with their name on it. Tell somebody you have responsibilities. But it is not what you think. No, say it properly. Wait, you didn't say it. Say that you have responsibilities. Tell the person you have Christian duties. But it's not what you think. Yes. Yes. That's why the Bible says that man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. I think that when we get to heaven, a lot of things will surprise us. A lot of things will confuse us. We will not understand. We will not understand how some people made it to where they are, and some people didn't make it, and some people made it, but they have been put in the backyard. We will not understand. Because it's not what you think. It's not what you think. I pray that we'll begin to appreciate the little things that God values. And then we'll make what God finds important become what is important to us. Matthew 6, verse 1, it says that, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. 
to be seen by them. This is not a righteous behavior. We are talking about righteousness, isn't it? And I said we have duties, and they are not what we think. Charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. As a pastor, I realized very early that the people who like to give, you know, maybe when they say, um, what do you call it? Building fund. Do you understand? Um, 100,000 pounds within 12 months. Then they come and stand and then they take an envelope. And then you see that the whole church is like, but that person doesn't tithe. They, are, they don't tithe. But then before men, they have to. Yeah. It's not that it's wrong to give before men. But before you do that, your relationship with your father in secret must be in order. So you do it in addition to, not the one that men will see. I went for a service somewhere. The pastor had become desperate. So when it was offering time, everybody said, everybody take your offering. When he said, show your offering to your neighbor. Kai, kai, kai. People started changing their offering. <laughs> yeah. We are talking about righteousness. Righteousness. Just being in that image. Just being who God wants you to be. And to live how God wants you to live. It's not in the big things. It's not what you think. <laughs> Do you know people even have parents who help others more than they help their own children? Yeah, because of the accolades they get. And because an image or an impression is given that you are generous or that you are wealthy. Somebody say mercy. Verse 2. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And this is our duty in relation to our neighbor. Some of you, when you help somebody, everybody will know. We are talking about righteous acts. What God expects us to do. And he's saying that when it comes to your neighbor, don't expose them. Don't ridicule them. Don't belittle them. But you see, sometimes we have turned it back to front. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Sometimes they even do ceremony for those who give the most in the house of God, those, and then those who don't give. 
Because this passage is going to teach us to understand that sometimes what we think is big is very small to God. And what we think is very small is very big to God. And that is why when you begin to learn and apply and appreciate some of these things, you realize that God will show mercy on you. God will be kind to you. Yeah, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday was um, my, my brother's 60th birthday. Was it yesterday? Or two? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Fourth. Yesterday was fourth. Yesterday was fifth. Oh, so um, Monday was my brother's um, 50th, uh, 60th birthday, you know. So I called him, you know, and happy birthday and all that. What's going on? Then when I put the phone down, the Lord also told me that oh, it's all you are going to say to him, happy birthday. I say, but this man, he doesn't need anything. He, he has something, something. In fact, this flows from the top. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I put the phone down. He said, oh, they were doing this. My mom was doing the So I was really excited. I spoke to my sister. She said, yeah, we've all Then the Lord was like, eh. So I called him again. And I said, oh, what is um, the details on your this? And he was like, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? I was like, he said, no, 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 no. I, no, I, no. I was like, no, no, this is not... I, this is your birthday, and I'm not there to celebrate with you. So I assume that I'm there. You maybe go out for a meal. This, this one, I know that it's nothing for you, you know, but please allow me to do, you know. And I, I forced, and then I, I did. It wasn't much. It wasn't anything. But for him, it wouldn't even matter. When I did it, then he called me. And he said, I have received this. But you know what? I just remembered that I'm supposed to give you. And what I sent him, he multiplied it by maybe. No, no, oh, it's more. Because the currencies were also different. Thousand or more multiplied by what I had given him. He multiplied it by thousand. And he said, I'm supposed to, I'll send that to you. Immediately I called Reverend. I said, this thing that God has been telling us. It is very practically and literally true. I can't even tell you the figure because some of you will be envious and just very jealous. Because I can see some of you are calculating, you're wondering. Yeah, I know, I know you're wondering, was it dollars so that you see how many? I know, I won't answer that your your one query will will stay with you for a long time. Yeah, but then, and it wasn't that he was going to send me a one-off. He said, actually, every, now you have to, now you have to get this from me. And then he calculated it. It had a few zeros after it. With a good currency. I am telling you that what the Bible is saying is very true. Yeah. I was shaking. I called Reverend. I was like, who else can I call and give blessing? <laughs> yeah. You know? and, and this was done quietly. This one, I didn't, I didn't even have a discussion with my siblings, like, oh, are we giving him something? Are we going to? And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell Reverend. I didn't tell anybody. I only called him when the shock came after. I'm preaching to somebody. Yeah, preaching to somebody. That that is part of our righteousness. <laughs> 
You need to go and do your own and see if you get a few zeros after it. <laughs> and even what you realize is that you don't do it because you feel somebody's needy. Because if I thought of that, I won't give. Because it should be flowing the other way. Yeah. Because if I normally we have that conversation where it's like, oh, I know you're in ministry. What does the church need? You know, those kind of questions. Yeah. So, it's, so he was even very worried. I was like, brother. And I was, oh, no. when the first one comes in, remind me for those of us who are in church, we will, I will remember. Nando's, Nando's. The least you can get is Nando's, isn't it? Yeah. That is our duty to our neighbor. Then he continues to tell us our duty to God. Verse 5. Matthew 6, it says that, and when, we will end on this one, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Say, mercy, Lord. For righteousness to exist and to thrive, you cannot be hypocritical. Cannot be hypocritical. Can you imagine helping somebody you don't like? Can you imagine helping somebody that you go and say bad things about the person? And when you pray also, so in your giving, don't be hypocritical. In your prayer also, don't be hypocritical. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. You know, some of us, even in our workplaces, in our school, whatever, we come across like proper Christians. But you know you are not one. So when men see you, they think you are spiritual. When men see you, they think you are strong in your faith. But, but you know you are not. It says that, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. All this scripture is saying that, on top of praying in the synagogue, your prayer life in your secret place must be even stronger. That is what it's saying. That when, if you are praying in the synagogue, you are praying in the community, you are praying communally, you are, your prayer in secret must be even stronger. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray our father. So this, all this till the verse 10 is giving us a model, a guide. And when it talks about vain repetitions, it's not saying that you cannot what he's saying is that your prayer must have a format. Your prayer must have a plan. And your prayer must contain thanksgiving, you know, adoration, forgiveness. All those things must come in. It doesn't mean just reciting the Lord's Prayer. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it doesn't just mean reciting, but it's saying that all these elements must be in your prayer. All these elements. And when you look at the elements, you come to realize that Forgive us our sins as we forgive. 
I don't have anybody that I need to forgive. It's not true. All of us have people that we need to forgive. In fact, on a daily basis, it could be the bus driver. It could be the person at the shop. It could be the person. Just now when I was coming, there was this guy. You saw that there's only one way. Only one person can go. I've already gone halfway. And then the person too comes halfway. Then we are all stuck. Yes, forgive is needed. Right at that moment. You cannot say that you, there is nobody that you have to forgive. There is always somebody you have to forgive. There is always somebody you have to. Oh, life, life. There is always somebody you have to forgive. Those close to you, those around. And that is why even in the church, you cannot stay long in any church if you don't know how to forgive. If you don't know how to let go. You cannot stay long. If you like, you can bet with me. Leave and go. You will go and realize that same same, the equation is still the same. Until you get to the place where you know how to forgive. You cannot stay long in any relationship. Unless you marry Jesus. Anybody else, you need to have a few sacks of forgiveness. <laughs> yes. I don't care how good the person is, how perfect the person is. You will need to have forgiveness. Yeah. Do you know how many times I've forgiven Joe? I have been forgiving him. So that means I can stay as a Christian. I'm preaching, I'm preaching against, I'm preaching. Yeah, I have to forgive him. Because every time he sees my toes, he steps on it. Every time he sees my toes. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Yes. But in Christ, he's a very good boy, so I have to forgive him. Repent, brother, Repent. Repent. You see, we are joking about this, but this is the reality of life. This is it. So you can't say you are righteous if you cannot forgive. You cannot say you are righteous if you cannot forgive. And you see, this is even talking about prayer because one of our duties is to pray. But he's saying that in the prayer, there are various aspects who, do, who you even rely on for your success. Who do you even lie, rely on for your victory? He says, give us this day our daily bread. Which means that even though you are going to uh, Lee City Council or wherever it is you work or whoever pays your bills, he's saying that ultimately it is the Lord who gives you your daily bread. But that is also something that we can stray away from. Sometimes we don't appreciate that God is the one who enables us to do what we do and to have what we have. We lose focus of it every now and then. You know, I could easily have thought that, oh, my brother was feeling generous on his 60th birthday and thought he would throw something my way. No, it is an act of God. Because for me, I know that any blessing, in fact, this week has been that week. On Monday, Reverend and I had a major discussion. And then when we finished the discussion, Reverend was like, yes. Then I went on my computer, I typed one, two. Within five minutes, then the people also said yes. And then... When I came, I said, God has done it again. Because it wasn't that the people wanted to say yes, but it was the timing and it was under the unction and the instruction of God. Begin to appreciate that everything that happens in your life, God has a hand in it. God always has a hand in it. God always has a hand in it. When things you are waiting, things look like they have stalled, God has a hand in it. When things look like they are moving fast, God has a hand in it. When people come near you and they are nice and helpful, God has a hand in it. When people come and they are being mean to you, God has a hand in it. 
If Pharaoh's heart had not been hardened, would we have seen the miracles we saw? Would we have known that God could turn? You know, what are even to blood? Would we have known the miracle, what God can do? And after he gives us the Lord's Prayer, he says that, but if you do not forgive, so that's the last bit, if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. Have you seen that everything, do not be like the hypocrites? When you are giving, don't be like the hypocrite. When you are praying, don't be like the hypocrite. When you are fasting, don't be. So what the scripture is telling us that even in spiritual activities, we can be hypocritical. That is why sometimes you find people who may have gone to uh, Hebrew school, Greek school, you know, Bible, theology, whatever, whatever, with time, they become ungodly. With time. Because sometimes the so-called deeper understanding of the permutations of scripture makes them proud and then takes out God. And the reason why they become hypocrites is that now they know the word, but they don't do it. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sour countenance, for they disfigure their faces <laughs> that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do you know that one of the duties of a Christian is to have self-control? And that is one of the things that fasting brings to you. It's one of the things that when you fast, it enables you to become, take control of flesh more and more. That is why it is also one of the weakest areas of Christians. It's one of the weakest areas of Christians. Because they know that, it says that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Which means that fasting also has blessings that come with it. So we are not even just talking about corporate fasting every week, every month we have one week fast. That is training us to develop a fasting lifestyle. To be able to do it for ourselves. Oh? We're talking about righteousness. By the month end, we will all have grown and have an understanding that there's a lot in me that needs to come out. There's a lot in me that I need to prune off. I cannot prune it by myself, but as I draw closer to God, and as I draw closer to God, he wipes, he washes, he chops off. And I begin to look more like him, behave more like him, have a personality and a character that is more like him. Righteousness should never ever be something that is contentious 
or that you lord it over others. In fact, all the verses we have read in Matthew 6, you realize that there's something secret about righteousness. There's something personal about righteousness. It's inward. It's hidden. And it should be hidden. And that is when somebody may say that, oh, you are not a proper Christian and you don't need to argue. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? May the Lord give us grace.